0: Welcome to the Grizzly Habits Podcast, where we create content that just makes people happy. We build a platform where we can hear from influential people who have built a successful brand or reputation. I'm your host, Steve Schaefer. And speaking of influence, our co-host, Stephanie Daly, has a mile-long list of credentials promoting equity and trade coming from the construction industry. She's done a lot for those around her, and we're excited to hear from Stephanie. Um, Steph, your background goes back all the way to when you were a child, following your, your dad around in his construction business, and most recently, some exciting news: you were announced the 2021 Builder of the Year. Now tell me, how does that feel to be announced, Builder of the Year, not only being a female in trade, but a young woman in trade?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a really large award, so sitting in a room filled with a bunch of men who I've seen accept this award in years past, Um, builders who I look up to, who I idolize. So being able to stand at the front of that room, listening to someone read my bio, looking at all of them was really exciting and it's a huge honor. So I'm excited about it and looking forward to bigger and better things.
0: Very cool. So talking more about 2021, 2021 was a big year for years. So it's not like you just received this award because you built some really cool houses, which you do. Every day with Stephen Daly Construction, you built the nation's uh, first mostly built all by female home uh, here in Utah, which took a lot of different skills. It took a lot of connections to bring everyone together to make sure you could pull this off. But you uh, spent last year 2021 as the president of the PWB, which is the Professional Women's in Building, Women in Building, uh, and you brought together a community to help build this this first this nation's first. So. Tell me a little bit more about your experience. How did this all come together? Like what, what got the idea down on paper and then when did it actually start happening?
1: Yeah. So the professional women in building group was started in Utah about 2018 in a salt Lake home builders association boardroom. So someone had made a comment along the lines of, Oh, you should, you know, you should try and build a all woman built house. And um, a few gals in the room said challenge accepted. So, Going from there, it took quite some time. Obviously, we didn't start building the home until 2020, which was um, rough timing considering COVID and everything that was happening. But it took two years of planning and prepping and just getting kind of the list, the rough list together that said, okay, we feel like we have enough women here locally that we know that can do a lot of these trades. Now we need to branch out and find women globally who we can bring in to fill those missing pieces so with that being said we we took our time and reached out to people on instagram and started you know planning getting the word out getting our name out and it all kind of fell into place i mean obviously building a, a female built home the goal was 100 percent female built um i don't know that we will ever be lucky enough that that will 100 be possible but We did have a lot of great help, a lot of great um, companies, a lot of great men that kind of stepped up to help teach women, train women, um, just be be an extra hand if we needed them. So that was really great. We appreciated having them. But yeah, it was a, a big challenge.
0: So how did you tap into this network of resources? Was it as easy as picking up the phone and saying, hey, I know someone in every single one of these different areas where we can have someone fly in? Or did it take a little bit more effort? What what level of involvement did you need uh, assistance with? Or what were you confident enough with where it didn't really take much effort at all?
1: Yeah, so realistically, finding women in the trades, um, we had reached out to local home builders associations, did everything we could to find um, information within our our network. Um, however, we just there there aren't many women. So the second best option was Instagram, social media looking through multiple hashtags women in construction um trade tradey ladies like tradeswomen all these things that are hashtags on Instagram that are trending um using those to try and find women in different areas and then just reaching out to the, out to them individually um it took a lot of reaching out we had hundreds of women that i i sent messages to specifically for my section of the build which was finished carpentry um I sent probably over 100 messages to get seven women here to Utah that said yes. Um, I wouldn't change that, however. I had the seven best women I could have asked for here and now seven new best friends. But yeah, it's, it's hard to reach out to someone for a project, a new project that no one's heard of and say, hey, my name's Stephanie. Are you willing to come to Utah for a week for free? I'm not going to pay you. <laughs> I don't have anything to give you. Um, but I want, I want your help on this really cool project we're doing because, um, most of the time it it just doesn't seem you're used to so many scams on social media. It doesn't seem realistic. So it was difficult, but I had a group of women that believed in it. And, uh, one of them had a very concerned husband who called and had a long conversation with me before he'd allow her to fly out, (laughs) but, um, it worked out really well.
0: Cool. So it's when when social media, you know, <clears throat> helped out with promoting the right people and getting them out here to, to take part in this opportunity, which is really cool. And it started as an idea and now it's labeled the She Built House. There's a book that's selling on Amazon. There's a lot of support from the uh, National home builders association to help support this and make sure it branches out even into other States outside of Utah. So there's a lot of momentum and this was kind of that, that first push that first tidal wave that hopefully there's a lot of good to follow where uh, we just continue to see these PWB or these she built houses pop up across the nation. So it's really cool. And it, I bet it feels good to be part of the first, the first one that's actually been supported by the home building association. And there's uh, a foundation that's set now and the good, the bad, other states can learn from what you've done to hopefully get things done maybe more in a streamlined fashion and also while promoting more women in trade or even just more trade in general to fill those positions to build the house right
1: yeah so i think we've been really lucky to have the the um support from the national association of home builders and you're right the house that she built book is the number one trending book for builders books right now oh cool it's um on Amazon you can buy it pretty much anywhere but it's a fantastic book that just teaches you know kids in general but specifically young women that there's a place for them and there's all these really cool jobs you can do in construction and it's great to see other home builders associations get excited about it and I'm excited for the PWB going forward to see what they do with all the funds we made from the sale of the house and yeah encouraging other HBAs to do something similar.
0: That's great. And talking about the funds, um, there was a lot of good done with it. So you built the house of course, uh, for what it costs to build a house. And, um, like a lot of home builders out there, they're not not for profits. So they make money when they build a home and then they sell it. So you built the, she built house for a cost. And then what did you do with the remaining money that came in from the sale of that home?
1: Yeah. So the goal was to build the house for free. Um, high hopes. You got to start at the top. So, We got really lucky. Uh, Oakwood Homes gave us a lot for under $100,000, which was a a really generous donation on their part. And then from there, we tried to get as many connections as we had to donate materials, um, just pieces, tools, all kinds of things, because a lot of these women coming in couldn't fly with tools. So we had a bunch of really generous donations. We built the home for... um, Little over $200,000, it sold for $676,000. And so we ended up with over $400,000 worth of proceeds that we could take and use them how we had planned out. So um, a huge chunk of that, over $260,000, is going to scholarships for young girls um, and young men in the trades. Anybody that we can get more involved in what we would consider or what we see becoming a dying industry. We, we want to get more people involved in the trades, and we want to help them. So we have a, a really large amount of money. We can do that. We also have over $80,000 that we're going to donate to local domestic violence shelters, um, charities that help women who are victims of sexual abuse. So lots of really cool things. And then they'll keep some of that locally within the Utah Home Builders Association, PWB, to help women travel to other states, other HBAs across the nation and kind of give them the good, the bad, and the ugly of the she-built and hopefully promote more she-built houses.
0: A lot of good can come out of that. So that's amazing that you're doing that. And you mentioned that it's not only about the equity women in trade, it's about trade in general. And we know that, you know, the average age of a plumber is is much higher than it used to be. Um, and there's not a lot of younger generations following into trade as, as a career. Um, so it's not only your your goal to promote equity and trade and bring females into the industry, which is fantastic, but it's also to keep trade growing to, to make sure that this, uh, this, um, essential business really it's part of our economy we, we need homes, people need places to live. So it it really is an essential business uh, or, or an essential, uh, uh, career. Mm -hmm. And we want to make sure that there's opportunity for everyone to get into it, whether they start young and, and maybe apprentice somebody and, and get into a career or they start their own business. There's ways to be successful in trade. So it's really cool that not only are focused on just the, the diversity and the equity portion of trades, but it's everything. It's like come into the industry. We want you, which is unique because uh, a lot of people are, let's I'll call it, afraid of the competition, Mm-hmm. where it's like you, you want to silo yourself because you know what you know and you want to take advantage of it, where um, it seems like what you're doing is completely the opposite. It's like, no, we want that competition. It's healthy competition. We want everyone to come into trade so we can grow the industry because it gives us all more opportunity.
1: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. Doctors, lawyers, everything, they all need places to work, buildings to work in. They all need homes to live in. We all need hospitals. We all need all of these places that are built by tradespeople. Um, So without tradespeople, the economy crashes. I mean, it is an essential business, and we don't have enough youth coming into those trades to help kind of continue and promote the growth that the state is naturally seeing. So Utah is growing so quickly, we can't keep up with the demand and you see that just looking at like a simple economic forecast that shows how many homes we have available on the market now, how many homes we have being built, current building permits out. It's, Utah's growing faster than we can help keep it together, I guess. And so we need more trades, whether it's men, women, whatever, um, someone looking for a career change halfway through their life. It's a, it's a great industry. You can make excellent money, and it's really fun.
0: That's, that's really cool. And that's the purpose of Grizzly Habits as well. That's why we have Stephanie, uh, social handle Stephanie Builds It, who will be uh, starting the Stephanie Builds It Foundation, which we can talk about a lot more in future episodes. Uh, but our goal is to make sure that we create this platform where everyone knows that they have an opportunity. So speaking of you know your credentials, we've only mentioned a couple of them so far, but you're doing a lot with the network that you've built. You're doing a lot with everything that you've learned um, and you want to make sure that you share that knowledge. So talking about some of your awards and, and tell me what they are and what they mean. But 2019, the Golden Hammer Award for the community, which I, I believe involved a community service. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you were also, uh, you won the Emily Roebling Award, which was, you were nominated by, nominated by Cat Footwear. It was,
1: the Emily Roebling Award was actually given out by CAFA, where it was a worldwide competition to find hidden women in construction. Um, that actually happened in 2020, which was really great to see it kind of combined with everything that we were doing um, on the She Built House. So I got someone that reached out to me and said, hey, I really think you should be a part of this. So I filled out uh, an entry form, I guess, and out of all the women in the nation, landed in one of the final five and then won the contest. So was really cool to be the first ever recipient of that Emily Roebling Award and she was um, the lead engineer on the Brooklyn Bridge build so it's a really cool cool award to be given.
0: Very cool very cool wasn't she didn't initially fall into that career right it happened by chance.
1: Yeah her husband was the lead engineer and I can't remember exactly he got sick um, sick or hurt I can't remember but Anyway, so she took the project on and he was bedridden. So he she would still get advice from him, but she became the lead engineer on the Brooklyn Bridge project. So And look at it. Cool. No. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's really cool. And then the the Golden Hammer Award was for community service. Yep. So what was that award for for you particularly? Like what did you do in 2019 for that award?
1: Yeah, so um The Salt Lake Home Builders Association has a community service committee, which was actually started by my dad the year he was president of that home builders association. So community service is near and dear to my heart. It's near and dear to his. It's just something that I was raised knowing this is just what you did. Um, So it was really exciting for me to be able to become chairman of that community service committee. But we did I believe, nine projects that year, anything from building a new deck on people's houses to wheelchair ramps, um, replacing some appliances for people that needed it. So uh, that year, I received the Golden Tamar Award for community service.
0: Very cool. And you've been an inspiration to me to want to do more as well. So um, again, part of the reason why we founded Grizzly Habits is we want to take everything that we've learned, tap into our network, our resources, and just share that with uh, our following, anyone that wants to be part of it, we're happy to help out. And you've definitely been a major influence for me to want to do more of that. Um, now, you are the or you are currently Hill Air Force Base honorary commander. That's 2020 to 2022. Now we're talking about the trade business. We're talking about building houses. We're talking about equity and trade. And then also it's like, Oh yeah, by the way, I'm an honorary air force commander. Like where did that come from? How did you get started with uh, Hill air force base?
1: Uh, well in 2019, while I was community service chairman, one of the projects that popped up was um, Hill air force base here has a building called the arc, the airman recreation center. Um, It is supposed to be a building that the airmen can go and enjoy each other's company at, go hang out, go play video games, just kick back, relax, and forget about such a really important, stressful job that they do every day. So they need kind of a a piece of that that they can enjoy. And so um, we were contacted by someone at the base that said, hey, we have this building and it's, it's... kind of a downer. Like, is there any way you could come look at it? So we went and looked at it with the thoughts that we could kind of help them out here and there, and we ended up remodeling the entire building for them. Um, We got a huge donation from Black Rifle Coffee Company of coffee and coffee machines and um, Traeger Grills, which is also a local Utah company, donated a bunch of smokers and pellets and everything they need. We created a gaming center. We created um, kind of like a music creativity room for them so they could all play the drums or guitar. It seems like every military member you know has some random, like, musical talent. <laughs> so they have a little room to do that. We created a theater. We actually had um, Kirk McKay from Red Group, who had a lot of his suppliers donate, like, theater screen and projector and sound and audio and um it It was so cool to just see everyone kind of come together to create this space for the airmen who, you know they they've decided to protect our lives and looking at the space they had before that was supposed to be for them to kind of kick back, relax, and enjoy it was it was a downer. so it was really cool to be able to do that for them. Um, and then the following year, I was asked by Hill's commander. And chief if I would be willing to be an honorary base commander. So
0: very really cool. cool. That's awesome. That's really cool. It's always nice when you can do more for our active duty military and our veterans um, because they give us the freedom, the freedom to do uh, exactly what we're doing right now as uh, freedom of speech and all the other great freedoms that come with being American. So yep. really cool. You talked about Black Rifle Coffee Company, which we've all heard of Black Rifle Coffee Company, which is really cool. They do a lot for Uh, military and veterans. Um, But you also worked for Nitro Circus. And the reason why this is coming together is just recently, Travis Pastrana announced that he was departing Red Bull to go support Black Rifle Coffee Company, which Mm -hmm. the people over at Black Rifle, it sounds like they're great friends with Travis. And Mm -hmm. Travis wants to use his network and his platform to help promote the good that comes from Black Rifle Coffee Company. But you worked for Nitro Circus. like How cool is that? how long were you with nitro circus how did that even start out and, and what did you do for them that's really cool
1: yeah so when the recession hit um in the late 2000 2009 ish um i had to find something different to do i wasn't really getting a whole lot of work i i wasn't in home building at that time i was in architecture so um the architecture firm i was working for just couldn't financially keep me around so i left and um started working for the Godfrey's here in Salt Lake City. It was a really cool opportunity. I owe them a huge debt of gratitude. Um, I had never been in production. I had never done any of the things they hired me to do. Um, So I'm not quite sure why they gave me the job. I guess I was just a hard worker. But um, yeah, I I got to travel across the entire world with them while we were filming the 3D movie. Um, I kind of served originally as a production assistant for the Fuel TV show, Thrillbillies. Um, and then they just saw that I was willing to help and do whatever I could. So I moved from there to the Nitro Circus side, traveled all over while we did the 3D movie. We did live shows throughout Australia. And it was it was a really cool experience. But I learned a lot of great lessons from Nitro Circus that I still use today, just in a different fashion. But that particular like piece that slid into my career was invite. Like I I can't replace that with anything else. It it was so important to me and it's um, something I'm forever grateful for. so.
0: So I imagine when you set up travel for, you know, 20 plus athletes or however more plus production crew, plus everything else that goes behind it, there's a lot of logistics that happen. So you need to make sure that, whether it's shipping, the bikes show up on time, whether it's um, flights, the, the athletes and the performers show up on time, or just making sure the hotel accommodations, you don't have anyone booked in different uh, uh, hotels that are so far apart that you lose the, the community aspect of all of the, the touring. Um, but I'm sure that came hand in hand just as important when you were, I guess, promoting the Sheba house and you're trying to build that network of people to come out to Salt Lake City or Saratoga Springs, um, it was very similar. You had to get people out here for their specific time slot, right? Mm-hmm. You can't have a plumber come before the hole's dog, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you need to make sure that it's all lined up and you have everyone coming out at the right times. But what did you learn from working for Nitro Circus that you still hold on to today? Like you said, that was the some of the most valuable things you've learned. Um, but I bet particularly more for running these types of events or even building um, you know events for the community to follow it takes a lot of product project management so what do you still use today that you learned that was most impactful
1: yeah uh, on a daily basis obviously production coordinating production whether that's production of a home or production of a movie um, they're very similar and they have a lot of similarities in you know, just scheduling and making sure, like you said, things are on time and things are happening in a certain um, timeline that they're supposed to happen in. So that has been really helpful for me. It was really helpful for me to be able to understand kind of just just how to plan um, putting those things together. Another huge thing from Nitro Circus that benefited me, I believe, is the the media portion. So especially going into the She Belt it helped to have that media background and to have a little experience looking back, watching Greg Godfrey and Jeremy Rawl kind of pitch the Nitro Circus 3D movie, which was like their big, brilliant idea that we had no money for. they were pitching it to all these people who they knew that had money to say, hey, donate money to, to this. It's going to be so fantastic. So even looking back at that piece of it, realizing how much i took from just experiencing them pitching whether it was the movie tv shows whatever to other people i then took that and used it to pitch myself to other people about hey i'm doing this really cool thing you should you should support me whether it was builders first source my lumber connection you know i <laughs> i did everything i could to try and get as much donated and I, the builders first source one was really interesting for me because I buy a million dollars plus a year from them for my daily business. Um, But kind of explaining to them what I wanted to do and the fact that I needed about $100,000 worth of donation from them, it wasn't a decision they could make locally. So they gave me the opportunity at the International Builder Show in Vegas to kind of pitch my idea to the head of Builders First Source and as a really big deal considering they are a nationwide lumber company. Like it, it was a big deal for him to give me five minutes, let alone kind of humor what I had to say. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Builders First Source does this huge dinner every year for their top, uh, top salesmen and their top customers. And so we went to this dinner with about a thousand people and somehow my salesman got me in front of the head of Builders First Source. And I just said, hi, my name is Stephanie. Here's a jump drive with all my information and my bio and everything and what I'm doing. And I would love for Builders First Source to be a part of it. And within five minutes, this guy had given me over $100,000 worth of donations and he had no idea who I was. So I think um, I owe a lot of credit to Nitro Circus for that, for teaching me kind of, you know, how to pitch an idea, how to pitch the value behind what you're trying to sell Um, But also how to be confident, like in myself and how to pitch myself and the, you know, all the positive things that I'm not very good about bragging about the awards or the things I've done. But sometimes it's really important that you tell people those things because it leads back to them donating to that she built house. It's just more, it gives them more incentive.
0: There's a fine line between like boasting and humility, right? You want to make sure you stay humble. But you also need to make sure everyone understands what you're capable of, especially in a predominantly male industry. Right. Right. You're coming in as a young female saying, Hey, look, you should give me hundreds of thousands of dollars of lumber in the midst of a pandemic and a shortage because I can do all of these things. So there's a fine line of of coming across as if you're, you know, looking just for a handout versus saying, hey, I'm really going to make a big difference. And uh, you did. You made a big difference. And it's being talked about across the nation. You've been on all kinds of media outlets, whether it's uh, on the news, whether it's on other podcasts, there's been a lot of opportunity to promote this, which I'm sure makes Builders First feel great about everything that they've done to be involved. So it's really cool that that you were able to do that. Um, Now, shifting gears a little bit, let's talk about nitro circus and what else you learned from a leadership aspect, not from you becoming a leader, but more or less being able to mentor some of these great leaders that you look at on the TV and you, you probably would assume that, you know, they're just monstrous partiers and love to have a good time, but Mm -hmm. they're not, they're running a business and they're, they're influencers and they're promoting themselves. So with that comes character. Mm -hmm. So what is it that you learned about character about all these successful people that you were able to grasp onto and say, wait a minute, there's more to this Mm -hmm. than, you know, the party life that everyone seems to see on the outside.
1: Yeah, I think um a good example of that is Travis Pastrana. So when I started working for the Godfreys, I had no idea who Travis Pastrana was. I didn't I and
0: I Sorry, Travis. Yeah. (laughs) Like you'll ever watch I think he no, I think he (laughs) knows
1: that. Um no idea who Travis was, no idea what Nitro Circus was. I I was just, it wasn't my scene. So um, going into it, you know, I I met Travis at the office the first time and, you know, somebody, I can't remember who it was, walks up and said, hey, Stephanie, this is Travis. Travis is I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. Hey, nice to meet you. Like normal person. And um, looking back now, you, you think there are so many people worldwide that idolize him. He is someone that these kids and adults would kill to meet, would kill to have five seconds with. Um, and he's a normal guy. He He's a normal person. He'll sit down and have a conversation with you. When he's talking to you, you're important. What you're saying is important. He's not, you know, texting on his phone or listening to five other people. He has given you his attention um, and I've come to learn that that is a common trait in great leaders, is people who you feel like you can sit down and have a conversation with, and it's just like you're talking to your best friend. And I think that's really important. And um, I read a really cool quote on one of my clients' pages today, um, and now I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember exactly what it said, because it was, it was something that I really liked what she had on there. And...
0: See. yeah while you're pulling that up it's it's really cool um, to be around those types of leaders where you can sit in a room and you would never guess that you know they were they could be a multi-millionaire they have these successful businesses but yet they make you feel like the most important thing at that time so that's a really cool trait of a lot of uh great leaders out there that they're they're humble and they can they can just remember where they came from and they can just be a human which is fantastic and there's a lot of people we know in our network that are exactly like that, and we're looking forward to having them on the podcast so we can just talk about real life. Like, What is it like, like to be successful, and what does success mean to you? A lot of people see success as just having really nice cars and a lot of money and big houses, but being successful could be you know, a, a healthy family. It could be a house, a roof over your head. It could be you know, everything that, that we need in our day-to-day. It's just a, it's a matter of perspective.
1: Right. And so this quote says, being at the top doesn't mean you have to treat people like you are above them.
0: I love it. Exactly.
1: And I saw that just earlier today. And it, it's so true. Like there are, there's a difference between, um, and common, I guess, commonly when you see this, it's not those who are extremely successful that treat people like they're better than them. It's the people that haven't reached that yet that are still kind of in that same, like, that treat people poorly around them, I guess you look at people like Travis and Jolene and Greg Godfrey, all these people who are extremely successful and there there's millions around the world that idolize them and they treat you just how they want to be treated. They treat you like you're their best friend. And so,
0: yeah, it's understanding that, you know, we as humans were we're meant to disagree. I mean, that's where we evolve. That's where we evolve as individuals, as companies, as nations, as everything. You need that that difference, so you understand alternate perspectives, which gives you the opportunity to evolve and to improve. So, um, that's a really cool trait that a lot of your leaders have: is is understanding and appreciating the difference in opinions, and not trying to convince someone to have their own.
1: Yeah, seeing the positive, the positive side of having difference of opinions or um you know just there is something to be said about the positivity that comes from a a good leader and um the positivity that they kind of radiate to the public and to people around them that i think we're missing as a general public
0: of course and that's the other half let's call it of grizzly habits is embracing a positive culture Um, we know, and we can get into it a little bit, but, uh, it's a lot easier to, to be negative. I think there's, it takes more muscles to, to smile than to frown, right? It's always easier to frown. It's like the same thing with a positive attitude. For some reason, it just feels so easy to, to be negative. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in fact, it would be scary to see that if our social medias, like our Facebooks, I know it's on LinkedIn and everything, but if like Facebook or Instagram, where most of our influence goes when we want to be an influencer, if there were like a five-star rating system for people, like what would it look like?
1: Yeah. It's, it makes you think like who's giving me reviews? Who are, who are the people that can review me?
0: Exactly. It it would change the perspective from wanting like a million followers to wanting like a thousand connections Yep, because those connections, that's your network. Like that's your reputation. So you want to make sure that those who are surrounding you are saying good things about you. So you would, maybe act a little different. I would, right? If I knew that like I was at risk of someone seeing me not put the shopping cart away, or maybe like deciding I don't want those SpaghettiOs in aisle three and I put them away in aisle seven, just hurrying off the cart, right? It happens out there and and you'd be terrified looking over your shoulder like, okay, did any of my friends see that? (laughs) (laughs) I want to make sure
1: that I don't get a bad review. (laughs) It becomes uh, quality over quantity.
0: Exactly. Yeah. You would want those Quality-driven reviews, those quality-driven connections. Mm-hmm. So, Grizzly Habits. Not only are we going to promote um, equity and trade, trade in general, uh, opportunities for for anyone wanting to follow whatever career path they want to go down. We're going to talk to a lot of people, and we're going to bring in all of that experience. So it's just one more tool that everyone has. I know there's a lot of really good podcasts out there, books, motivational speakers, everything. So our goal isn't to be the only one, but maybe we can just provide that alternate perspective. So we want to continue to uh, leverage our network, our resources to have those conversations. Um, and then we also want to have a little fun with it. We know that um, with the negative reviews, there was, I was reading on ink.com that uh, we're more likely to share negative reviews than we are positive reviews, um, and they say that nine to fifteen people are told about a negative review from one person up to twenty um, versus sharing one positive experience. Um, they also kind of, uh, they state that it takes forty positive reviews to overturn a negative review, which I absolutely believe when you're talking about averages and five stars. So those positive reviews are extremely important. Well our culture <laughs> teaches us to thrive on the negative responses. You want to, if, if you're going through, or if I am, if I'm reading through reviews, I'll read through and I'll skip all the positive, positive, positive. And I'll see a negative like, Oh, what did this person say? Mm-hmm. I'm interested. And then you'll read it and you'll be like, Oh, well, I don't want to buy because of this negative review. So what can we do as grizzly habits to promote positivity, whether that's people, whether it's businesses, companies, products, culture, anything we want to make sure that when we see something that uh it, that it enforces that positivity it 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 forces that change in viewpoint just to make us think like wow that was a really good experience mm-hmm. we want to share that so we could do product reviews if there's something that we really like in fact we talked about the shark <laughs> robot vacuum and we went on youtube and found this guy that has this sweet like football field of review videos out there <laughs> or uh, uh, he has like a football field where he does robot reviews yeah <laughs> the robot weird...
1: vacuum reviews and he's got like the the jar of gumballs and the jar of dog hair and the jar, like sand all this stuff that he's spring i mean he's fantastic at the vacuum review i don't even want to do one because i no one's gonna beat his it's fantastic mm-hmm. but We need to promote
0: that. Yeah. So we're not going to go try and compete with these awesome product videos out there, (laughs) review videos, but we're going to promote those positive things that we see. So uh, we could do like undercover shopping where we go in and if we have this fantastic experience with a local company, we're going to share that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not to create like false news. Like we're not going to go out and just say that everything's positive. We're just going to avoid promoting the negative. We're going to be focused on the positive elements that we find in the community with our peers, with businesses or anything, and we're going to make sure we promote that. So we do have a YouTube channel where we will be posting those types of things all of these podcasts, they're recorded. So if you're listening on an audio stream, we do have them on our YouTube page, our Grizzly Habits YouTube page. So we will be sharing those as well. So you can kind of see you know, uh, what we're doing. Uh, and in fact, we're going to have some versions of the podcast where we have B-roll. So alternate perspectives where we're going to have cameras that are explaining a little bit more what we're talking about. And it'll make sense when we start interviewing uh, some of our other peers who have done things within, uh, within their their jobs or their careers that have just been impactful. And we want to show some of the differences. So that's coming, um, but be sure to follow us on all of our social media. So we have Stephanie builds. It is at Stephanie builds it on social media. uh, Stephanie daily on LinkedIn and I am Steve Schaefer. I am Grizzly Habits. I will be running that page. So that is at grizzly.habits on LinkedIn and Facebook uh, or Grizzly Habits on YouTube. We also have a LinkedIn page and our website grizzlyhabits.com and stephaniebillsit.com So keep a close eye on us. We'll be releasing our next episode soon. This is the introductory uh, episode zero. The zero one is something to look forward to. We're really excited for the guests to have on. Actually, one and two are already in the pipeline. So we're, yep. we're looking forward to those two episodes. Uh, we will talk a little bit about a um, more creating a um, positive culture in the workplace. And then another one more on like back to basic social media. So really exciting things coming where we're going to help a lot of people uh, learn a couple new skills, which is which is going to be some fun.
1: Yeah. Excited about it.
0: All right. Well, that's Grizzly Habits podcast, introductory episode 00. We're looking forward to seeing you on the next one.
1: See you later.